Welcome back to the New Republic Growth Hacking Podcast. My name is Nemi Yusini and uh, we're going to be exploring everything to do with experimentation, personalization and that little ugly word, CRO. Uh, today I've been kindly joined by someone who I, who I started working with and now I call a friend, Simon McDonald, who is the Regional Vice President of Optimize This. Simon, you want to say hi? Good morning. Good morning, Nima. Morning, mate. And Simon, I've, I've wanted to get Simon on this. He's been a long time listener and he's always uh, had some really great productive feedback and commentary and he's always been active in sharing some of the conversations we have. So I'm really grateful for you doing that. Um, and I really want to get Simon on because if anyone who is in this space knows Optimizer is one of the leading technologies in the category and, and I dare say has helped really shape and grow the category. And, you know, Simon's been a pivotal part of uh, that growth in Australia with his team. And you might have recently heard they got acquired by a business called EpiServer. And if you've been in this space, everyone's been like, who's going to buy Optimizely? They're up for sale. Someone's going to buy them for sure. If you had their money on your sales forces, well, you were wrong. It's EpiServer. So I thought it'd be really cool to get him on and put him under the microscope and explore what this actually means. So before I do... So maybe you could take a few minutes and just explain how you came into this world of experimentation and how you ended up on this podcast. Yeah, sure. So a quick bit of background on me. I'm uh, obviously by the accent, uh, originally from Scotland. I moved across here about 15 years ago, but I've spent the last probably 10 years working in tech, probably the last seven or eight working in pre-IPO uh, SaaS companies, either from the UK or the US. And really helping those businesses get a, uh, a footprint in the local Australia market with often a view to breaking into the to the Singapore market, um, which is obviously a, a huge opportunity, as, as everyone knows. Funnily enough, I, I told my dad last night that I was going to be on a podcast and uh, it was searchable on Spotify. And, and it, took me, uh, it took me back to an example where I posted on LinkedIn that I was going to be running a, a webinar with one of our strategy consultants, Hajir. And my dad messaged me and he's like, when is your, uh, I saw you're doing a TV show. I was like, what do you mean TV show? He's like, yeah, I saw on, uh, I saw on LinkedIn, you're, you're hosting a TV show. And I was like, that, that's a webinar, dad. But when, when, we, <laughs> when we ran the webinar, uh, my marketing lady actually said there was someone registered from Scotland. And my dad had actually stayed up till like 1 a.m. in the morning to, to listen to my TV show. So... I wanted to give him a, I'll give him a shout out on the podcast as well. So, uh, hi dad. Hey, Mr. McDonald. Welcome. <laughs> so yeah, mate, um, uh, like you say, I've been, uh, I've been with Optimizely now for about two years and genuinely, I think this is one of the most interesting spaces I've worked in. I love talking about it. I love what it does for brands and customers. Um, and with that, we've obviously started doing a lot of work with New Republic and I think you know, genuinely, uh, Nima and Stacey have built a great business and I've learned, I've actually learned a lot from you both um, as we've been working on on different customers together, which has been awesome. Richard Taylor, one of your other uh, panelists, easily one of the most passionate people in the world about experimentation. So I'm learning something new from that guy on a daily basis. So I have a lot of time for Rich. And then Jess, I'm going to use the word trailblazer, don't hold it against me. But I think in terms of what she's done for NIB with experimentation and the type of business it is, 
you know, love hearing about what she's doing and she's definitely, you know, carving a way for experimentation in the business. So loved listening to your show. Um, and then, yeah, excited to be a part of it today. Nice one. That's like, uh, it sounds like you're winning an Academy Award. You just didn't, you just were short of thanking Jesus and the music starting on. Well, I really wanted to break down our relationship, Nima. It's a bit like uh, the, the rock. Don't, people don't know, need to know this. <laughs> it's a bit like the rock and Kevin Hart. I'm like the rock, right? Yeah, I'm rock. I'm the rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're the rock because everyone thinks I'm Kevin Hart because I'm a bit funnier than you. Somehow I always end up getting the insult. So listen, EpiServer. Like that was, that was like, no one saw that coming, right? And so you're going from this amazingly specialized experimentation tool to EpiServer, this kind of uh, digital experience platform that's competing with the likes of your Adobe's and so forth. So what, is the, what does it actually mean? Like what does that mean you guys are out there selling content management systems and other digital, experimenta- uh, digital platforms for experience? Uh, so it, it's been uh, it's been a massive couple of months for for Optimizely as a business. So I think like you highlighted at the at the start of the session, Nima, when we were acquired by EpiServer, there was a little bit of I guess hesitation around who EpiServer actually were, just because their actual um, I guess brand presence in this market wasn't as obvious as Optimizely. And then for us from the Optimizely side of the business, what you'll find when you when you speak to anyone who works for Optimizely, they're really uh, passionate about the brand and the space. And it was a rocket ship, right? So everyone was really tuned into the growth of the company. And it was a bit of a pivotal point where it created un- uncertainty. Fast forward, like probably, well, in the last couple of weeks, you know, it's been a huge couple of weeks for us where... Can I pause you for a sec? Can you go back like when this, this deal happened, what, how long ago now? Uh, it would have been around November, I think. Right, so it's, it's relatively new, right? Yeah, and it's, so this is the, the new leadership team that has been formed by the newly branded Optimizely is a really impressive. If you think about what we've gone through from November to now, we've gone through a global rebrand so, you know, personally, I'm super excited about the rebrand being formally Optimizely, now moving to Optimizely, because now we... So that's announced. So that's it. It's it's now Optimizely as one brand, not EpiServer Optimizely. It's Optimizely. Yeah. Yeah. So... Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's awesome, man, because... The name, the name Optimizely means so many good things to so many people. And now we've got best of breed tech um, and basically more to, to tip, talk to our customers about, um, which was always a challenge when, you know, you're trying to grow a business that has only got a single product line. But now we've moved to a business where you've got, you know, multiple products that are, and you'll also see in the, you know, the, the latest Gartner Magic Quadrant, we've jumped 30 points every year for the last couple of years to now be hot on the heels um, of Adobe um, in that quadrant. So it'll be interesting to see where we play next year with the, with the speed that the business is going at. So yeah, it's been an interesting couple of months, Nima, but um, with the rebrand and the Gartner Magic Quadrant, I feel we've got a really nice uh, win behind our sale at the moment. So I'm, I'm excited to see what 2021 brings. But tell me something, man, like, you, you know, you, 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 uh, you created an amazing business um, with, with Optimizely. 
you know, Dan Ross, the guy previously did a great job in setting it up, you know, and like when you came on, this thing just catapulted in growth, right? So I think you did, you've done a great job in building that brand, building that presence. And, you know, like, like I said, we are technology agnostic, but I do have my preferences. I like optimizers of tech. I think it's a, it's best to breed technology. What made you guys great was your specialization. You know, what made you great was that, you know, I would always, and I would always say, listen, if you got an Adobe stack, and you want to go into experimentation, then target just makes sense. But, you know, look at other options out there. You've got your best of class. And what makes Optimizely unique was always the fact that it was the best in its space. It's like, you know, you go to a GP if you've got a cold, but you go to a specialist, you have, you know, you need brain surgery or you have a tumor in the brain, right? And so does that, does that dilute by going down this pathway? Does that dilute that specialization, that focus? And, and like, as a fan of Optimizely and, you know, other companies who, you know, like you said, Jess and IB who have really, really bought into that story and that specialization. Does it mean that you're going to divest in Optimizely's R&D, which is probably one of the most uh, invested in? Is there a dilution about to occur? I know I'm putting you on the seat, but I'm, you know, I think a lot of people are asking that same question. Yeah, and look, it's uh, I appreciate you putting me right on the spot there, mate. But um, <laughs> I remember on the rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This, this is not the time for funny jokes, all right. So, so listen, um, if I'm if I'm looking at my business now, there's a couple of key things I'm looking at. TCO is a massive one. So I'm paying all this money. What am I getting? Sorry, yeah, total, total cost of ownership. <laughs> So there's this, there's this big factor around what am I paying and what am I getting back for that? So your typical ROI sort of conversation. And then the other piece is like, is the tech fulfilling what I need? So when you think about experimentation, like Optimizely was born out of uh, our founders um, driving um, donations for the Obama campaign, and then they built a business off the success of purely experimentation. So it would be a shame to, to walk away from that. So what we're now gonna be doing is, you know, moving forward as a business, we're simply saying that experimentation should be the foundation of every single dig- digital decision moving forward. So whether that is uh, CMS, um, the content that you're using, the message that you're displaying, whether that's an e-commerce platform, um, whether it's B2B, everything should start fundamentally with driving decisions through experimentation. So to me, Nima, it's like we're now going to start, rather than just talking about it, we're going to now start and walk the walk because we've spoken about this for a while, right? Um, but now we've got the ability to actually tell a really nice story. And I think this is going to be our unique thing in market where we've got a best in breed experimentation platform that it doesn't just look at CRO, like you call it the ugly word CRO. I think that's a little bit uh, unfair to CRO. But the other the other flip side of that is where can experimentation take you? You know, all about CRO's digital metrics. But now we want to think about experimentation, like improving business process, business performance. So there's a huge opportunity to use experimentation to actually make all these other systems that we've got better, whether they want to do with us or not. We'll still sell Optimizely as a, a tech agnostic platform. So whether you've got Salesforce, we still want to work with you um, to improve how Salesforce performs. We've still got the integrations there. So the ability to act like a SaaS vendor is still there. 
and we're not walking away from that. We're actually committing to that. But they also, the other players, we've now got this digital experience platform where we can look after everything. So it's a nice play to be able to just talk to your customer and say, what, what do you need? You know, the thing that I, I, I liked, and I don't know whether you, as a business, you're going to explore it, is like every time we talk to an organization who's, you know, they say we're replatforming, can't experiment, we're replatforming. And I always say, like, wouldn't you want to validate before you platform? Like, you're going to spend all that time and money picking this up and putting it on this other machine. Don't you want to know what you're picking up and doing is actually working? What, what, what is interesting is you've got a platform that allows you to do that at scale. You know, I know Sitecore talks about it, but I know a lot of companies who use Sitecore for mass experimentation and the thing just crumbles. It's not built for experimentation. What's interesting is that you could actually be the first platform that talks about an experimentation first replatforming strategy and actually have the legitimacy to execute against it. Because, you know, you started with an experimentation platform that goes into us rather than what Adobe did is they started as a CMS and then bought an experimentation platform and said, hey, you know, if you're interested, you can do some tests and make it better. So that, that part is interesting to me. So what does that mean? Does that mean that you're now, who's your key competitor now? Is it like a sidecar? Is it, a, is it still an Adobe? I mean, no one wants to compete with Oracle because no one really cares. Yeah, look, the, our, our landscape has always been Adobe. Um, and Adobe have built a very, very successful business. Likewise, Sitecore have built an incredibly successful business. And Google as well um, is a hugely successful business. And, and what each one of those businesses did was put in a testing capability to allow people to sort of dip their toe in the water. So I, I, I love it when, when someone says, we're using Google Optimize, that's great because it means you're starting to think about experimentation, right? You and I both know that there are limitations to these products. So when we're talking about the actual results that experimentation yields, like we all talk about this like 8% growth um, in revenue if you're doing experimentation properly. To get to that point, you need to start adding complexities to your experimentation program. And that's where Optimizely starts to pull away from the pack. So. We're not just talking one to five changes like button, color changes, et cetera. We want to start getting more into the depths of adding complexity to experiments because then the ROI grows and then you really see the significance. Because my, my belief, mate, is that experimentation should be a 101 business practice. Any business with a digital presence should be thinking about experimentation. It's, it's a must-have with the pace and velocity of digital change now. You can't not be experimenting because it's too costly to get it wrong. Yeah, I, I, I well, I'm kind of, um, you know, my response is kind of skewed when I have to agree with you because that's what we do. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. You and I, you and I agreeing on something feels weird, man, but it's okay. Yeah, I know it does. I feel very uncomfortable. I'm lost for words because I'm just not sure how to handle the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. You, you, you're in this situation now, you've November, you got acquired, you're now merging, you're figuring out each other's products and tools. What does the stack look like? Can you give us a glimpse under the bonnet around what are the some of the ideas being thrown around the boardroom table around, you know, what's the tech going to look like? What can it do? You know, what are the cool new features? And I, I remember you guys were um, pre-Epi, you were really sold on. And I, I really loved the idea of like, going into the tech guys to test, you know, getting down to the product level, the code level, which I really love because you're moving away from just marketers, enabling marketers going down. But then, you know, a lot of these content management systems or these technologies around content publishing, 
they're very much marketer focused. So where does that where does that take the story for Optimizely? Is it still back in the product and does it bring Epi down that story or is it moving back to where it began, which is more of that marketing conversation? Yeah, I mean, there's a fair bit in that question, right? But what will happen is that we will have a, I guess, a uh, refocus on marketing because there was there was at one point for our business a direction of you know more of a product engineering focus with full stack because that that was the you know the huge potential that was recognized by our founders um on a new uh, addressable market because you, you know yourself mate the the web market is or the CRO market is quite commoditized now from a product standpoint so how do you differentiate so full stack was an awesome play there thinking about you know, how can we take the mindset of experimentation um, and think about it on a, a more holistic business um, presence? So moving forward, um, you know, with the, the CMS play, we want to be have an integration of experimentation within CMS. So if you start thinking about, you know, our full stack product, how do we integrate that into our CMS? So organizations suddenly have this really strong governance process where they can deploy everything through the CMS. That starts to that starts to change the game a little bit. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Especially around content, like the the flexibility that you have around existing content, publishing of that, and then the ability to go live just it becomes so much easier. Like productionizing an idea now just becomes so much easier because you're inside the content management system, right? Yeah, and, and you buy, you know, organizations buy large platforms to get a, a level of control. And, and I think the less systems you're jumping in and out of, the better, right? So we, we now have a, a potential play where we want people to get more out of what they're currently doing. So if you have a CMS and you want to create that governance structure, let's build an experimentation into that that then allows your your content team to deliver better content through experimentation. So everything that you always talk about, but way more integrated and automated uh, in terms of one platform, reporting, execution, all these sort of good things. So the the goal is integrate experimentation into everything, um, but more from a, a back-end process rather than implementing on your web, which, you know, comes with a, a host of like challenges in itself, right? Challenges and issues. Yeah. So what? So does that mean that the future looks like you log into your content management system and then you can see all your experiments, you can see all the content you're publishing, you can take pages into an experiment from the CMS, create some changes through, you know, either code or the WYSIWYG editor, publish that, see what works, and then serve the better experience via the CMS. Is that the world you're painting? Yeah, I think so. So uh, Justin, who heads up our product globally, uh, has got a you know super exciting roadmap ahead of us. We are, we're just in the middle of you know putting the, the final touches to that, but full stack gives us such a big capability around integrating the, you know, the experimentation possibility that that's absolutely the end game. Because that that is definitely something that Adobe doesn't do. I'm, I'm not I'm not really across Sitecore because you know it's a CMS first, not a experimentation platform. But you know 
Adobe just does not do that. Oracle just does not do that. And that I think is the biggest gap because a lot of marketers, they want the ability to modify the stuff on their site, but they just don't have the controls. And so as you probably know, a lot of marketers use Optimizely both as a testing platform, but also as a content distribution platform, like a CMS, which they really shouldn't. And if you're doing that, stop it. But this kind of, the, 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 I guess the ideal vision is that it could, it could become that, right? It could become that one stop where you can run everything from that one platform, right? Mobilizing the whole team to test, learn, and actually make change. Yeah. So when we're talking to customers, Nima, like the three to five years ago, uh, you know, buying the large one-stop shop, um, especially at the enterprise and the town was absolutely the right thing to do. But now there, there is a view from um, certainly the people that we're speaking to in market that they want the ability to take in and take out tech as, as it fulfills a purpose. So it's much more of a SaaS model. So if you're able to act like a SaaS vendor, it's much more appealing to people moving forward because you're not lumping in huge costs, huge services costs, and I'm not having to commit a lifetime to this platform that may or may not fulfill what I'm doing. And the other part of it, people don't often use 50% of what they're being told they need to use. So give them tech that delivers what they want, but support it with a model that helps them get the best out of it. And I think that's why working with like you guys um, and a lot of our customers, you know, I think about Shopo, Cotton On, like the value that they'll get out of our tech with you um, starts to build uh, a lot of momentum, right? So so talk me through it. Moving, let's let's go three, four years in the future. What's what's it look like? Is it is it all about the culture of experimentation or is it all about mobilizing marketing teams to make technical advances because full story not full <laughs> full stack opens it up right it gives you the ability and if you're bringing that into epi server does that mean that marketers get far more like in content management days it was marketers got more flexibility around tech does that mean it changes the game again that they can actually start feature flagging and building features and functions and using optimizely to figure out whether that's the right feature or function is that where it's going so maybe a different way to think about this, right, is that it's been about acquisition for so long. Do nothing but acquire new customers, acquire new customers, where CRO became massive. I think we're moving to a world where customer retention, customer experience is probably more important because you want to, it's hard to get a new customer, but you want to keep existing customers, right? So what that lends itself to is, and what I've seen already is um, app is becoming way more important in our retention strategy now. So I'm, I'm excited to see that app economy build up here. Um, we then look at other customer touch points like uh, call centers. Now these are not typically impacted areas by CRO, right? But with an experimentation mindset, you can start building uh, or improving results from these uh, customer touch points. So. I ran a really cool session with um, the head of optimization at Sky uh, in the UK. And one of the key things that he, key messages that he delivered was experimentation has reduced the waiting on their call center by 16% in COVID. So what he's done is taken the mindset of CRO and applied it across his entire business to the call center, which was getting you know, like just annihilated with calls over COVID, 
and they've used experimentation to develop messaging on the site, uh, scripting, a number of different things that people don't necessarily think about. 16% call waiting for Sky in the UK is, is a huge result. So the more people start thinking about that, the more we start talking about the capabilities of full stack and backend processes, capability of optimizely on messaging, and it's, it's a whole different conversation, Nima. So marketing then becomes instrumental on those touch points, those journeys, customer experience, et cetera. So I think with those business metrics change, and we're going to see a, a lot of evolution towards um, that area of the business, I think. That's interesting. Do you, do you, do you see um, marketing and customer experience as different things or the same thing? So again, the marketing uh, focus, I think truly is always sat with acquisition. Um, and then obviously you have brand, et cetera, et cetera. But now aligning with company, if you want to use the term OKRs and everyone hates it, but uh, top line objectives um, is absolutely customer experience, customer retention. And then, you know, with what we've seen in the last 12 months, um, digital transformation, again, a horrible phrase, but these are being led by CEOs. So marketers will have to work in partnership with customer experience, all these other parts of the business, because at the end of the day, they're probably the first touch point with the customer, right? The messaging creates uh, the customer experience. So that's interesting. So so Optimizely began as this uh, marketing insights driven experience, really playing in customer experience at the end of the day, but around that acquisition, I mean, when Dan and Pete started, it was really, let's help Obama raise some money. So it was really that marketing side acquisition, as you said. Then it moved into more generalistic marketing around both customer experience and retention and as well as acquisition. Went down into product and it sounds like it's coming back into that middle ground around customer experience, but still as experience grows into tech, it's still bringing the tech guys into that journey. So really coming back to the center and bringing everyone along. Is that the, is that the way that I'm, I, I'm understanding it correctly? Yeah, I mean, I'll maybe, you know, I'll put it back on a unima. Your uh, a lot of the, I guess, businesses that come on in partnership with Optimizely and New Republic, you know, we're, we're looking at how do we drive more revenue? But I mean, are you hearing different conversations going on within the brands that you're speaking to that are not typical CRO conversations? It's changed. Uh, I definitely think over the last two years, and I think what COVID did was it accelerated what people had a five-year plan to like, we now have a two-year plan, so it has to be done tomorrow, right? And what's really interesting is the conversation around UX has dramatically increased. Like everyone, every especially retailer I talk to is replatforming. And it's not a replatforming for tech, it's a replatforming for um, the experience. The replatforming so they got more flexibility on the experiences they can deliver. So I definitely think um, you know, customer experience, UX has become front and center. And I definitely think that there is a lack of user experience. People kind of compartmentalize it. They go, there's experimentation or CRO, whatever you want to call it, and then there's UX. And they still haven't bridged that gap that actually it's just UX with data because experimentation is just, it's just an interface play with data validating, which and they just haven't connected those dots. And so I was talking to a really big uh, fashion retail brand who I was like, that's what we do. We have a process that's far more agile. It's about, you know, usually we come from user experience and we use data to validate the direction we take. It's just like, that's a really interesting approach, which I find, I find strange, but I 
I can understand it is that there's still two separate entities, two separate people. You have an experimentation team and then you have a UX team and never the two shall meet. But I think that world's got to change, right? Yeah. So if you like, let's think about the overall retail revenue, right? From a digital perspective, kind of sat around five to 6% of overall revenue the last couple of years. This year, uh, it's 9%. Projected to be 20% um, by 2022. So if you think about your business model, when you have got the responsibility of driving or helping drive 20% revenue through digital channels, there's then all the challenges that come with that around, okay, how do we get repeat customers? How do we get them to have the best customer experience that they come back and buy from us again? Or how do we just create engagement and then you've got all your app conversations, like all the, the customer touch points we think about. But for me and email, like that initial visit to the website is 10% of what we should be thinking about. We should be thinking about customer experience, customer brand, because at the end of the day, if that's good, they'll buy from you again and again and again. You know, so that that velocity and digital revenue from an overall revenue perspective is going to create a lot of opportunity in that in that respect. So Sai, I want to pick up on that. You you I mean, you know, you're you're talking to some of the biggest brands in Australia. And, you know, Optimizely and I'm sure EpiServer globally has got some of the biggest retailers on, and, and other brands on their on their books and they're supporting those guys and their growth plans and so forth. The one thing I always see whenever I talk to any company is they've just got so much tech. There is just so much SaaS hanging off their site. And I always wonder, like, like you talk about, uh, I'll give you an example, like, you know, visual merchandising tools that promote, they've got artificial intelligence. They all suck. None of them really deliver what the sales guy said when he walked in. Is like, yeah, this thing will predict if your mother had a fight with you and you feel sad. So there's like a panda on a T-shirt and it's going to recommend that because it's so fucking smart, right? And so I, I just wonder, like, you've been in this game for a while. You've been in the experimentation game. You talk to all these retailers. Like, what – you see all this tech just hanging off this thing, trying to make it the better experience, but all it does is slow down the site. So in your point of view, like, what is the ideal stack? What should it look like? What should it comprise? And what's its role? Because, you know, you've got Salesforce, you've got Fred Hopper, you've got Optimizer, you've got all this stuff, like – and your experience, what is the right stack? What do you need as a retailer in this new experience economy, let's call it? Yeah, no, and look, it's a, it's a good question. And, and I think what we're going to see over the next couple of years is, so, you know, I've been doing a ton of reading on this and you, you look at like the, the BCG surveys about the commitment of CEOs to digital means that they're going to open up much bigger budgets to how tech allows them to drive their their business forward because you can you can guarantee if you're going to be laggard in digital you're going to be left behind right so we and retail is a really interesting space and this is applicable across all the verticals we uh we, we work we work and live in but like that brick and mortar mentality um is very very quickly moving away to becoming how do I how do I push this digital this business forward digitally? So what we're going to see is a lot of organizations reviewing the tech stacks that they have, and and mate, it's surprising like how old and legacy some of the techs you see are when you would expect these businesses to be flying on the the latest and greatest tech. But 
there's got to be a gradual migration though, right? So we are absolutely going to see a move to more of a SaaS, uh, buy the best point solution for that particular um, area and make sure that they have got the ability to integrate into other platforms. So I, I, I love the world that Optimizely lives in at the moment with, uh, you know, you look at your CDP, Helium or a segment, how much better Optimizely can be connected to that platform. It's still great, but you add it to something like a CDP and then suddenly you can step up two or three levels from, from the ROI you're getting from both. You know, so I, I think connectivity to, to the right platforms is super important, um, but we're going to see a big shift away from these big, chunky, older solutions to much more nimble um, and capable solutions that are just a bit more user-friendly. So hold on, I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's say I'm a big retailer and I've hired you as my you know, CMO or whatever. Let's say some chief role, right? Because you're an important guy. Chief happiness officer. There you go, perfect. And I said to you, right, here's my site. I am, I've got a, like a 1% conversion rate. I need to get it to five, like restack this whole thing. What's the stack you'd pick? Uh, Optimize the DXP. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> so boring. <laughs> come on, man, what's the, come on. A lot of these people are going through this shit. Like they're picking, this guy comes in and goes, my visual merchandising will tell you the guy was thinking about carrots, so I'll show him carrots. And you're coming in and going, I'll let you experiment and figure out what color carrot you should show. Like what, what, what would you do? What's your stack? What's it look like? Right, so there's, an, there's another way to look at this, right? You don't have to buy stuff because the next guy's got it. You don't have to buy stuff because it's the best of breed. Like there are companies that are dipping their toe in the water and there, there are techs that like, if you're dipping your toe in the water of experimentation, use Google, use it to get an idea of what it's like to run a couple of experiments and then get excited about the potential about moving to something bigger. So you don't have to, jump in to the biggest and best tech straight away because all that's going to do is create a feeling of uh, regret that you spent too much money and you're not getting enough out of it so you need to understand the level of maturity of your own business and it's super important that people do that before you actually look at investing in tech because you'll get to that point at some you know down that life cycle at some point but what, what i would say to our customers is that we'll be honest with you if you're ready for optimizely or not but when you are, like, we're, we're going to welcome you on board with, with open arms. But you, you know what it's like, Nima. Like, you, you get these businesses that are just starting out. Like, use the tools that are right for your business at that time. If you are at enterprise grade, make sure you're choosing tech that is used by other enterprise brands and certainly tech that's supported locally. That's the biggest thing. Like, you, if you work with – we've got all these cool startups coming out of the U.S., um, and they might put one or two people on the ground. Optimize they did that, right? For a couple of, for a while. It just doesn't work. What doesn't work, dude? So be sure that you're working with a vendor that has got a large support team in, in market and just choose a tech that's right for you right now, but get your digital roadmap thought out for the next 12 to 24 months. So you're not just stuck with something for the next two years that's not gonna work for you. Um, so listen, I wanna, again, I wanna put you on the spot again in the hot seat. So. Yeah, all I ever hear is optimizer is best in class. They're good at this. They're good at that. What I've never asked, and I really want to ask, is what do you suck at? What are you really bad at? 
And don't give me some like marketing spell. We're really bad at, at knowing how great we are and, and, you know, calling out how amazing we are. What do you suck at? What would, what would you say you don't do well, honestly? No, it's fair. It's fair. And look, we are, we're, we've been categorized as best of breed, which is, which is awesome. And I think from a tech perspective, it stands up. But what we haven't been great at in the last sort of four years is, is localizing this business in the right way. And, and I think, you know, localizing a business to work with Australian organizations is something that's been a focal point of mine for the last couple of years. You need an organization that has the ability to support customers in time zones, understanding the market, all that sort of good stuff, right? So Optimizely is super successful in North America. EMEA is a huge region for us. And now we're really seeing APAC is that third region um, that we can grow into. But as a business, we need to we need to support that properly, right? Which is why the move to the newly branded Optimizely and the commitment we've got for this region is exciting because we've got like, we're going to be like 30 people in the next three or four months. But genuinely, Nima, we've, you know, we've, we've struggled a little bit with that. But I believe now that, you know, we've got the infrastructure behind that. We, we want to work, work hard to make that work. And then probably, and this is probably closer to your heart, right? The partner perspective is, is something that we've struggled with um, for a little while, not because partners are difficult on a daily basis, not, not throwing anything over the fence. Are you talking about our personal relationship? <laughs> <laughs> I need more, Simon, more love. Mate, you've got to put effort into these things to make it work, and I feel like I've put a ton of effort into you, so it's... Oh, come on. People are going to think we don't like each other, and that is true, people. <laughs> so, yeah, look, uh, genuinely, Nima, I think the, the tech does what it says, uh, does what it's known for. You, you know that. Um, you know, you've built a great business around it, but... We, need now, we now need to stand up that business to act like a local Australian business to support our customers here. And I think with support from like from you guys, um, building out a proper team here, um, you know, we've got some amazing people in this business. Uh, you throw, you know, Richard Taylor, Chris Kutis. You do. You have a really good group of people. There's no doubt. Yeah, so it's exciting to, to start building that. But I think that's something we're, we're super conscious of because I don't believe you can get the best out of a tech unless you have a team to back that up. So we need to, we need to really make that a focus for, for 2021. Okay. Interesting. So a real focus around, like you said, retention, customer support, customer love. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I am slightly surprised because I found Optimizely was the best support out of most of the tech stacks. Like they had more people who are the one thing I always loved about Optimizely is you had people who understood experimentation. You weren't talking to a sales guy who one second is selling an email platform, then the next minute is, uh, and they don't know anything about experimentation, never run an experiment. Whereas this way, you know, you have people who are running an experimentation program talking to you about experimentation. So the common language is great. So I'm surprised you're saying that, but I'm also really happy that that's the direction you guys are taking because I think that's what we need locally is that local market support. Yeah, and look, um, I think there's a difference between um, – where we're at last year and where we want to get to. So we do have support for our customers and that, that support um, has been done a lot in partnership with like New Republic, for example, right? And that that's not going to change moving forward. Um, but when we look at like the, the reason why people like working with Optimizely for experimentation is because that's what we focus on. 
and we do we do have that expertise. So you know, like the the other guys that we've sort of discussed in market, I've got technology, but it's not a focus. So we are, I guess, I'm sort of extra diligent on that part of the offering we have in market to, to really make that a standout component because I still believe there's a level of immaturity in experimentation. Um, it's still in its infancy, which is awesome, right? Because we've got such a big opportunity ahead of us. But I think being able to walk people through that, help them see that, and then support them is is the only way we're going to be successful in this, in this region. Let me ask off the back of that. I might not get to my last question because I think this one's a really important one. Um, you know, over the last two years, I remember when we when we were first starting off in this space, there was hardly anyone talking about experimentation, like literally hardly anyone. And today I find like you do a Google search and everyone, like every ad agency, every creative agency, every digital, they all say they do CRO. And, you know, I, and I know for a fact they're not doing it, they're doing CRO but not the same as what we're doing. And that's okay. You know, everyone, everyone's got to learn in their own way and I've got no problems. And I think it's great to have more people in the market because it, it increases education. And when you talk to the brands, they're all doing what they call CRO. So I'm really interested in your point of view. You talked about, you know, it's still open space. Is it in your point of view is what you said, is it open space because there's people not doing it and they should be doing it or is it about people that are doing it, but they're not either doing it right or they're just only scratching the surface and it, and, by you guys having more of a presence, you really want to expand that into a more mature and how, you know, experimentation can be bigger and better within their organization, more people doing it. Is that, is that what you mean by it's still immature? Yeah. So um, we've got some amazing resources in Optimizely, right? And one of them is this guy called um, Hajir who runs our value consultant team. He's uh, He's been doing writing like scientific white papers. Um, yeah, I know Hajir. He's a Persian guy. Us Persians, you know, we're, we're changing the world. Exactly. One, uh, one experiment at a time, don't you, man? Exactly. One pixel at a time. So he did this amazing um, piece of research across like a thousand brands, hundred thousand experiments. And they saw, right, that you're getting, uh, if you do experimentation properly, you're getting like 12% increase uh, in page views, 14% time, more time on site. All these amazing stats that we know if you do it properly, you will get to as a business. So if you're to turn around anyone and say those metrics, they'd be like, right, how do we get started? But to do those, your program does need to uh, get to a level of maturity. So the opportunity I think for Australian brands at the moment, catalyst being COVID, is to really get into the, the nuts and bolts and dive into the complexity of experimentation to start seeing uh, these huge stats that we're talking about. So I, I think there's been a, a significant change uh, in the last two years from people who are looking at CRO. It doesn't just need to be e-commerce brands, like you're, you're talking about anyone with an end customer. So there's been that mind shift. I mean, every, uh, every CEO or C-level person talks about personalization. Does everyone understand it? Probably not. So there's going to be a big shift to that one-to-one personalization this year. And that you can't personalize properly without experimentation, but it's more complex, right? So the job that Optimizely have this year with the likes of yourself is educating people on, right, we've done this step. Let's pick up the pace and let's start doing things a little bit more risky, but they've got bigger bang for buck. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people, um, 
you know, the programs that like I, I still have conversations around how people call a test and use one single metric for all, like being revenue for every single test. It has to have revenue uplift. And you're like, I get that, but that's a, that's a, a retailer's way of looking at everything, but you got to understand experimentation is a, there's a scientific method that you're following. And it's not about that end result; it's about the stepping stones to the end result. I, I think there's definitely a lot of education that has to happen around that. And I think that's a missing gap. And I think it's well, I'm welcoming the fact this new focus around let's go in and actually establish a team that helps educate and inform people and brings the knowledge set up, which is only great for all of us. I think an important point and, and people make this mistake about the lack of maturity of Australia in terms of digital, like it's a couple of years behind the UK, US. That is, it's annoying more than anything because the pace of change over here is awesome and the agility to act quicker on this sort of stuff is absolutely there and the audience is ready for it, right? So it's on people like you and I and, and the rest of people around us to help people get there. So it's going to be, it's, it's good. I like it for 2021. Yeah. Sounds like you're calling people to arms to get behind the story. Uh, Mr. McDonald, if you're, if you're listening, I'm sure you'd be very proud of your son. He did a wonderful job. I'm sure you'd agree. And uh, Simon, I just want to take the chance to say thanks, mate. Really excited about what you guys are doing in the future. All right, man. Um, it's been a real pleasure. Um, thanks very much. And um, we'll catch up soon. Yeah.